Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. You've probably heard the phrase, follow your heart. No doubt you've probably even said that or, uh, or maybe someone told you that before because it's a creed that is embraced by many. It's proclaimed through books, movies, songs. Uh, the phrase, follow your heart, it, it's a hope that somehow, some way, your heart knows what is best for you and for your life. Uh, uh, some of you may refer to this as go with your gut uh, or, or, or maybe trust your instinct. Uh, that's what I mean by the phrase, follow your heart. It's a belief uh, that your heart is your true guide that leads to true happiness if you just have the courage to follow it. And as great as that sounds, because it is, man, it, it, it sounds wonderful, but it's a fairy tale. Because the unfortunate truth is that your heart does not have your best interests in mind. Trust me, your heart cannot be trusted. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. It goes on to say, Who can understand it? There's the truth of your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick and you can't trust it. Your heart is sick and Jesus, our great physician, lists the symptoms of the disease in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19 when he said, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Like a high school crush that feels like it will last forever but doesn't, you can't trust your heart because your heart will deceive you. And it has deceived you before, and some of you have realized that. But yet, we keep going back to it. We keep wanting to trust our heart. But I'm telling you, church, you cannot trust your heart. Our hearts will deceive us on every subject from love to politics. Our hearts will deceive us from morality to religion. If you are not careful, you will put so much trust into your gut instinct and, and, and to that, 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 that feeling that you have in your heart. But I'm letting you know you cannot trust that. And the truth is our hearts were never meant to be followed. They were designed to be led. That's your heart. When God designed your heart, it was, not, it, it was not created to be followed. It was designed to be led. As most of you know, the, the last four years, I've been helping coach the high school basketball team here in Newberry. And this summer, I officially retired from coaching high school basketball. During my years of playing and coaching high school ball, I have noticed that with every game, there are three teams that take the court. Two of those teams are in complete opposition to each other. They are trying to score in opposite directions. They defend different goals. And they will never see eye to eye. They are in conflict with each other. But the third team to take the court is on the court, but they're not of the court. They are in the game, but they are not of the game. They are in the chaos, but they're not of the chaos. They are part of a different kingdom, a kingdom that we know as the Florida High School Athletic Association, 
with offices located in Gainesville. The Florida High School Athletic Association, also known as the FHSAA, has representatives at each high school game. If it's a varsity game, usually there are three of those representatives that are there. And these representatives, also known as referees, are there to represent and uphold the kingdom's standards on the court as they are set in Gainesville. And each official is given the FHSAA official's guidebook. And within the pages of that guidebook are the governing guidelines in which all decisions on the court should be made. These officials, they understand that, that there will be times when they will have to make a decision that the whole crowd or the majority of the crowd will not be in favor of. And, and they could be booed for their decision. Yet other times... Especially if it's a home crowd and it goes in their direction, these officials understand that the crowd will cheer enthusiastically with the call that is made. But, but these officials are trained to know that they are not there to win a popularity contest. They are there to uphold the standards that are outlined in the book that has been passed down from the kingdom known as the Florida High School Athletic Association located in Gainesville, Florida. And at the moment that the officials stop using the book as a guideline and they join the team, they have now added chaos to the conflict that is already on the chaotic court. In case you have not noticed, church, we are living in a divided, conflicted culture. And often it seems like there are two sides. We're divided by our politics. We are divided by race. We are in conflict over religion. We are divided by our socio socioeconomic status. We are conflicted in our morals and in our standards. But yet in the middle of this conflict, there is this third team that's on the court. And that team is made up of the church that belongs to the kingdom of God. You see, we are on the court, but we are not of the court. We are called to be in the middle of the political, racial, religious, economic, and moral confusion, but not to be of it. We belong to a different kingdom, and our allegiance is to a completely different king. And like a Florida High School Athletic Association official, we are called to make some calls that do not necessarily make us popular. And we are called to uphold the standards of the book that has been given to us from the kingdom of which we belong to, which is heaven. And through the power of Christ, whose name that we bear, we have the ability to strongly affect what is happening on the court of life. However, one of the most frustrating realizations that you face in high school sports is that many of the Florida High School Athletic Association officials don't know the guidelines or they disregard the guidelines. Now, if, if you are an official in any sport and, and, and uh, that's offensive, understand I'm not talking about you because you know the game. I'm talking about your colleagues that don't know the game. Some of the parents in the room are nodding their head. And, and I know, I see you at games and I, I realize. And you know, some of these officials, they just get it wrong sometimes. And that's why they'll call a technical foul on a pastor who's an assistant coach. I don't get it, but come on. <laughs> it's dangerous because they can make decisions that strongly affect the game in a negative way. 
When I first started working with the NHS basketball team, it did not take me long to realize that we had a reputation. I say we, but I had nothing to do with this. It was my son's freshman year, so really he had nothing to do with the reputation that went before us. Most of the players that were on the court, they did not have anything to do with the reputation that went before them. But nevertheless, there was a reputation that when Newberry walked into the gym, there was going to be trouble. The head coach that we had at the time, he, um, he was known, how can I say it, for being a hothead. He, it was almost like when he walked into the gym two hours before game time, when hardly nobody is there and the officials aren't there, he starts yelling at the officials at that moment. And so that reputation is what we were having to deal with because from the moment the game started, he is in their ears, he is yelling, he's yelling at players, he's yelling at referees, he's yelling at me, he's yelling at everybody. And, and, and it, 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 it affected everybody in the gym because it, it flowed from the top down and it affected or maybe it infected our players. Because what I noticed with our varsity team that year is that the more that our coach would disrespect the, the referees, the more that they would disrespect the referees. And very quickly, I learned that we were, we were down 20 points before the game ever started. Because we were going to have to fight our way back. Simply put, the refs didn't like our coach, which means they didn't like our team, which means that it would be a much, much harder road if we were going to win. It's because they made up their mind before they ever arrived to the gym that they were not going to like us and their calls reflected that many times. Church, I tell you that because our preconceived notions are destroying our ability to influence the conflict and bring order to the chaos of our society. If we are ever going to influence this conflict in a godly way, then we must, somebody say must, we must live by the standards of heaven and not the standards of a conservative or liberal mindset. Oh God, here we go. Because here's what I know. Heaven doesn't have a mindset. You can change your mind. Heaven doesn't have a mindset. Heaven has standards. Standards that do not change. It may shock some of you to hear this, but heaven is not conservative or liberal. Heaven is holy. I said heaven is holy. And the decisions that are made by the guidelines of this book will reflect that because they are holy decisions. And when this gets inside of you, it causes what comes out of you to be different. First Peter 1 and 16, God says, be holy because I am holy. We are called to be holy. And some of us, we have completely given up on that process because we, we hold on to our righteousness is as filthy rags. That is true. I will, I will not negate that. However, just because our righteousness is as filthy rags, at the moment you come to Christ, it is then at that moment that you can stand before God holy because He is holy. You're not covered by your sins any longer. You are covered by the blood of Christ. And so when He says, be holy because I am holy, you can... 
you can rest assured and know that when you accept Christ, you can stand before God holy. But the problem is we are all falling back to who we used to be and the mindset that we used to have. But I'm telling you, heaven doesn't have a mindset. Heaven has a heart set. And that has to flow into our lives. Because the heart of heaven is holy. And what you have to ask yourself is, is your heart holy? Because whatever flows out of your heart will reflect whether it's holy or not. Once there was a child that was looking thoughtfully up into the depths of an evening sky. And he was wondering how one could get to heaven because it seemed so far away. But yet there was no ladder to reach it. And so he looked at his mom, and with an honest heart, he said, Mom, how do we get to heaven? And in all of her wisdom, the mom answered, Heaven must first come down into your heart. Church, listen to me for the next few moments. This is so important. We can never enter heaven until first heaven has entered into us. I have a feeling that God is less concerned about you getting to heaven and is more concerned with getting heaven into you. Because if heaven is in you, heaven is your reward. You'll get there. I promise you, you'll get there. But some of us, we need to stop living life like we're trying to get to heaven and start living life like heaven is in us. Because we need to be that reflection of God, of his love, of his mercy, of his grace. That's what humanity needs to see. But so many of us are focused on obtaining eternal life. And though that is a big part of Christianity, trust me, I know that there are rewards with it. I know that that there are incentives with, with being a part of the kingdom of God and accepting Jesus Christ. But listen to me, eternal life is not something that is going to happen later on. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, eternal life starts at that moment. I am already entered into eternal life. And and trust me, I believe in heaven. I believe in a resurrection. I believe in a rapture. I believe in all of that. I'm not saying that we're living in the realm of heaven right now. But I am saying that heaven can come down to us and can live in and through our lives. And that's what he's called us to do. And we need to stop worrying so much about getting to heaven and start letting heaven be in us. Because that's the only way, church that we are going to reach anyone is if we let the heart of heaven become our hearts. Our job is to bring heaven to earth, to live life in a way that heaven resides in our hearts daily because we get to give humanity a little taste of heaven with every action. We're salt and we're light. We get to be that moment that they see a glimpse of eternity. Imagine what the church would look like if the influence of heaven was evident in our daily decisions. And when I say the church, I don't mean necessarily Destiny Community Church. I mean the the body of Christ. If, if, If humanity would see the influence of heaven evident in our daily decisions as individuals, imagine what that would look like. Because the world is confused by the difference between what our book says and what our actions say. 
If this is our, if, the, if this is our guideline, then, then they are confused about what this says and what is actually being portrayed from our lives. I know you've heard it. It's, it's a very famous quote, but Mahatma Gandhi once said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then in verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the past four years, I've had the opportunity to lead that prayer in the locker room before every game and the rest of the Lord's Prayer also. But when you really start breaking down verse 10, where Jesus said, pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Strong words. Because it'll change your heart. When you start to realize that heaven has a will and it's our duty to display that will to the world. When you realize heaven has a heart, and if we are going to experience an ounce of heaven on earth, then we must get that heart inside of us. That's what changes things. Really quickly, and, and, and I'm almost done. I'm, I'm not going to be much longer, but, but, but Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, I want to read verses 13 through 19. It reads, now Jesus came into the, the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am. Now, what's interesting about that verse is the word you there, when he says, who do you say that I am? The word you there is plural. He's not asking one of his disciples. He's asking all of his disciples, all of the followers that are there in that conversation. He is asking them, who do you think that I am? Some people think that I'm John the Baptist. Others, others think that I'm Elijah. You just told me some people think that I'm Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But, but listen, followers, who do you say that I am? And only one spoke up. Simon Peter replied, verse 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven he said, you are a blessed man, Simon Peter, because you get it. You understand. Heaven has put its heart inside of you, and you understand what this is. Verse 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love kind of the play on words that Jesus uses in this moment. I don't know if it was a moment of comic relief or not, but he says, you're Peter, 
And he says, on this rock, which Peter means rock, and he says, on this rock or on these principles, I will build my church. On the heart of heaven, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, pun intended, it's the key. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's the promise. Is that he will give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He has given us the ability to unlock heaven's authority over our homes, over our schools, over our jobs, over our marriages, over our nation. But yet the church is not rising up to this any longer because we've all got our opinions. We've all got our preconceived notions. And the church is walking around very, with, with a very legalistic mindset when God's calling us to have the heart of heaven. And we have got to learn that you cannot use hell's keys to unlock heaven's doors. In other words, you can't fight fire with fire. I'm not justifying sin. I'm not justifying someone's actions. But you can't act like they act and expect to reach them with the love of God. On, on the key ring of our church van, that's also known as the swagger wagon, there are three keys. The largest of the three keys says Ford on it. I bet you can guess what it will, what it will open up. It will open up the door to the van and it will go a step farther and it will actually turn the van on. You can't get very far without that key. You've got to have that key in order to make that vehicle go. One of the keys on the key ring is a key to the trailer that is often pulled behind that van. We put luggage and different things in there. When we stop or when the, when the youth are on a trip, when they stop, you want to be able to lock up that, that, that trailer. And so they, they leave a key. We leave a key on that key ring. But there's a third key. And the third key is to the fuel cap. Now, we did not put the fuel cap on this van. Um, it came with a fuel cap. When we bought the van, it was already there. And I've been saying since the day we bought that van, that we're going to take that fuel cap off of that uh, uh, van because it, it, it becomes the biggest hassle. I cannot tell you how many times I have mistaken the key to the trailer for the key to the fuel cap. And they're both right there side by side. They're so close. But I will sit there and struggle for 10 minutes at a gas station trying my best to get the fuel cap off. But trying to use the key that belongs to the trailer. And they are two completely different manufacturers. They are cut completely different. But they are so close right there together that I feel like that one should work in that moment. I mean, certainly the other key should rub off on it at some point in time, right? But I don't care how long you sit there and try and use that key, it will not open that gas cap. In fact, one of our employees was bringing kids back from youth camp just recently, and I received a text on a Friday, after, or on a Friday and it said, Hey, Pastor, is there a secret to this? I cannot get this gas cap open. I said, Yeah, use the other key. 
To which I got a text back that said, duh. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so simple. But yet, I have struggled with it so many times. And it does not matter how many times you try and use that wrong key. It is never going to open the right lock. And church, I'm telling you, you, can, you, you cannot use hell's keys to unlock heaven's doors, to unlock heaven's opportunities. You cannot use it. It will never work. And, and until the church realizes that we've got to start using the right keys, which involves having the right heart set, which means having heaven come into our hearts to help us make the decisions that we've got to make, it is never going to work and we're never going to experience what God wants us to have. Many of us are going through life trying to unlock heaven's locks with the wrong keys. Let me tell you what this looks like in your life. You can't keep disrespecting your baby daddy and then pray that God's going to bring peace to your relationship with your ex because that key won't work. Uh Uh-oh. You can't call your wife names like a female dog. You can't consistently do that over and over. You shouldn't do it at all uh, because basically you've just got a lack of vocabulary, but we're going to keep moving on. Uh, You can't call your wife that kind of stuff and then demand that your children respect their mama because that key won't work. You can't step on people on your way up the corporate ladder and then pray that they will work for you and cooperate with you once you have made it. Because that key won't work. You can't keep your kids out of church on a regular basis and expect them to serve him, to serve God when they are older. Because church, I'm telling you, that key won't work because his word says train up a child in the way they should go. If you want them to go that direction, then use the right key. You can't steal finances from God and then pray that he blesses your bank account because that key won't work. How will a man rob God yet you rob me? That's what his word says. And you can't desire power and position in the kingdom of God and forget to serve others in the process because that key won't work. It's not in the kingdom. So I think you're getting it. You can't trust your own heart. No matter how justified you are in your feelings, you can't trust your own heart. You've got to find the heart of heaven. And you've got to pray, God, bring it. Bring it into my life. Every decision that I make, God, let me have the heart of heaven. Jesus went on to say in that same verse, he said, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That verse is not saying, church, that heaven is changing its agenda because of what you pray for. Don't be that naive. I I think we, we misinterpret this scripture so often. You can't pray... God, and and listen, I'm, I'm not saying this to offend anyone right now. I want you to hear my heart in this, hear the heart of heaven in this. You can't pray, God, destroy all the gays. Our, our society would be better if you just destroy all the gays when God's word says that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. What you need to be doing is hitting your knees and praying for repentance in our nation. That's what you need to be doing because that's a heart like heaven. Oh, I know I'm, I'm hitting a nerve right now, right? It's not saying that when you pray that you're changing heaven's agenda. It's saying that when you are using the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that you are binding and loosening on earth the things that have already been determined in heaven. Heaven's agenda is set. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It is set. And when you use the keys of the kingdom, when you pray... 
You are just seeing what is already bound in heaven and loosed in heaven, bound and loosed on earth. You are opening heaven's doors and keeping heaven's gates closed because you're not trusting your own heart. You are allowing the heart of heaven to flow through you. One of the interesting things, attributes of a good referee is that they're not there to determine the outcome of the game. Trust me, I've been in many gyms, many football fields, soccer fields, baseball stadiums. I see the parents. I see some of you. And I think there's this mindset that most of the time the Florida High School Athletic Association referees are out to determine the game. Like they're going to make the decisions that determine the outcome of the game. And, and, and though there are some ridiculous calls that are made sometimes, the sign of a, of a good referee is that they're not there to determine the game. They are there to uphold the standards that are outlined in the book. I'm telling you that because, church, we're not here to determine the outcome. And that's what Christians want right now. We want to determine the outcome. And he hasn't called us to determine the outcome. He's called us to uphold the standards outlined in his word that comes from our headquarters. That's what he's called us to do. Our nation... by the end of this year, will probably be the most divided it's ever been. Don't you get caught up in that. Long before you're part of a democracy, you're part of a theocracy. It's the kingdom of heaven. And you may not be able to determine the outcome, but he hasn't called you to determine the outcome. All he's called you to do is to uphold the standards that are in this book. And with every prayer, with every decision, even if it's the decision on who you're going to vote for, as long as you follow the standards of heaven and the heart of heaven with every decision in your home and your marriage with your children with your finances as long as you follow the heart of heaven and you stop trusting your heart because your heart your opinion your mindset will deceive you as long as you'll follow the heart of heaven you will fulfill what God wants you to do. And that may have nothing to do with the outcome. Here's the one thing that I do know. For some of you, all, all you've heard through this whole sermon is election. That's it. That's all. You're just seeing politics. Here's the one thing I do know. And I do believe we have a responsibility. I do, and I, I'm not getting into all that. But, but here's what I know. Scripture says all authority is appointed by God. Then it tells us to pray for that authority. That's part of our problem right now. Conservative Christianity has stopped praying for those that are in office. What if we have to stand before God with that? What if our prayer could have been the very thing that 
loosed the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God was loosed in heaven over an administration. What if it was your prayer? You don't have control over the outcome, but you've got to allow the Holy Spirit and the heart of heaven to control what you do here. Whether you're dealing with your ex or politics, it all has to flow from the same heart. And we need to pray, God, give us a heart like heaven. God, give us a heart like yours. Help me see humanity the way that you see humanity. Help me see my ex. Help me see my husband. Help me see my wife. Help me see my kids. Help me see politicians. Help me see society, Lord, the way that you see society. Because that's the only way that you'll ever pray the correct prayer for them. Is God, give me a heart like heaven. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.